Yeah. Right, I must be on mute. You're on mute. No, I'm on, I'm on double mute. <laughs> Let me unmute you. Oh, you unmute yourself. Yeah, oh, you you. Oh, wait, wait, no, wait, wait. Okay, okay. You go first. You no, unmute no. me or I unmute what, No, wait. No, you. Free my lips. Wait a minute. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. That one. That one's great, too. Both people saying go ahead at the same time. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, oh. Yeah, it's it's kind of astonishing to me as uh as i'm sure you can you can share this perspective as a professional mm -hmm. in the industry that after all this time we still have not beat like functioning you know produce functioning email calendaring or web conferencing you know i think it's right up there though sebastian with the reason why we haven't made a good tasting nyquil like <laughs> i i, I I feel that a I feel that a I feel that a race that can get people to the moon that can Oop. Or that. Um oh, there we are. A, a, that can get people from Earth to the moon and back safely can't make a cough syrup that doesn't make you want a retching gag. Mm. I mean they kinda we kinda do, but it's called Cabernet Sauvignon. Same effect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, you're right, because I think uh, that's good stuff right there. That's sure. Mm -hmm. By the way, your yeah, voice yeah. cut out, and then it was quite a bit better quality, and now it's back to sort of slightly scratchy. Do you have like a microphone plugged in as maybe a loose connection? or? So I don't have a microphone to keep my hands free. I'm using these things that, I'm jog that I jog with. However, I can absolutely positively take those off and just uh, use this, use it directly. Let me see. Here. Yeah, try it. Let's see. Hold on a second. All right. Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> All right. Is that a little better? It is a little better. Yes. Yeah, less tinny. Nope. Weren't we just talking about the idiots with Zoom? Hmm. <laughs> can you not hear me now? <laughs> yes, yes, I can hear you now. Okay, good. You sound good. Excellent, excellent. So <laughs> <laughs> How many people does it take to make technology work? On our I next episode know. of our podcast, Technical <laughs> Difficulties. So actually, I think the great thing is we're probably going to end up posting like 80 minutes of silence. Right? <laughs> this was our favorite episode yet. <laughs> Those guys are so, it, it, you know, it's like they don't give you the answers. They make you think about things yeah. on your own. Yeah. <laughs> they give you nothing. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, 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 I, so I see that we're recording, um, yeah. which is a good thing. Um, so you don't need me to do anything. Basically, I just no. I just need to sit and pontificate. Yeah. With that, just sit there and be pretty. Oh wow. <laughs> well, I can definitely do one of those two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try it like this. So uh, I've experimented with the settings. There's a couple yep. of settings that seem to be. So it's it claims that it's making two audio recordings, one for each of our voices, which is okay. promising. So it may actually be streaming because you know the biggest problem with web conferencing is that it is half duplex right when you talk you can't hear me if i'm talking it's not 
like a basic telephone call. <laughs> so you're saying we, we are using technology to conduct business that is actually no better than what Alexander Graham Bell came up with initially? Oh, that is correct. Ahoy, ahoy. <laughs> as, as Mr. Oh, Bell would say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wherever he's resting right now, Alexander Graham Bell is either looking up or looking down and saying, still got it. Still got it. Still got it. Do you remember the the long distance wars in the nineties, the mid nineties? I do. Like MCI and Sprint and uh, mm-hmm. AT&T all fighting and, and like <laughs> their big claim, they would I think it was Sprint had the ad that was like on our lines that they're so clear you can hit a, hear a pin drop. Like that was a feature that they were trying to differentiate on. <laughs> I, I find hilarious because now it's like well, it's in your pocket, but it sounds like a string. Well, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of the Chris Rock joke. Like, that's what it's supposed to do. Like, when, when did functioning as expected become <laughs> extraordinary? Like, hey, AT&T, our phones are so good, you can actually hear the other person talk. Yeah. Like, um, no, 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 no one's claiming that anymore. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's like all of humanity is now stuck in that uh, drive-through from Wayne's World, where we're just getting, you know, <laughs> pieces of the conversation. Yeah, we're, trying exactly. to, we're trying to interpret the spaces. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So this is it, man. This we we have started. We have begun. We, we have begun. And, and what is it that we are doing? <laughs> so actually, um, aside from saving the world. Oh good. Um, yeah. And actually, I think, Seb, we probably need to, for the eight people who are listening, um, and maybe for the one person out of the eight who's not a family member, um, we should probably let them know that we are just having an open and honest conversation about anything. Um, And I think just really what's going on in the world today, maybe things that cross our mind, um, things that we feel a need really to kind of get off our chest. I don't even know what we're doing this for anybody else other than ourselves to kind of keep some sanity and maybe hoping that someone who's outside of this uh, duo circle of trust might find some value in what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, I think that's well put. I think that in my mind, it's sort of, in a way, it's almost like shared journaling, you know, like the the formalism Mm -hmm. of recording makes us do it more. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because we've known each other since 2003. Uh, yeah 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 and, holy cow yeah and i mean right away we enjoyed uh conversation with each other i think we clicked instant i think it was like the first day we hung out actually yeah i think it was it, it yeah. was it, I, the details a little sketchy but i know i wanted to keep you in my life in some capacity right exactly same <laughs> and we've done a pretty shitty job of actually <laughs> well you know if if i think about it you know we kind of had the the, the dunning kruger curve right because we started out in school and we were seeing each other i think once a month whether it be in london new york and so while we were around each other and in between it was kind of high then we dipped into the valley is i think it's the valley of despair <laughs> Isn't Dunning Kruger the effect where people who are completely incompetent are less likely to know that they're incompetent? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, it, it is. I was just I'm making sure I understand the insult that you were leveling against us. <laughs> well, actually, no, it's not too much an insult, um, Seb, as that's the only picture I could think of that really captured where we were. Because we started out intense because we were in school. 
life happened. We kind of dipped down. Um, but then the curve came back up, right, to this plateau of stability where we did manage to reconnect a couple of years later. And, and that's true. Kind of like what? Maybe, an, you know, I'm going to date myself by saying a great comedy team. You know, like uh, Abbott and Costello. We just right, sure. <laughs> you know, around the turn <laughs> you know, of the last century. Because <laughs> you know, everybody on this podcast is going to understand Abbott and Costello. <laughs> we actually, I think, just sent a million fingers searching to the internet to find Abbott and Costello. Wow, you you are very optimistic about these. Exceedingly, exceedingly so. <laughs> <laughs> or there's one listener who has a half a million fingers on each hand. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Is, that the, is that the one monkey typing for a million years to get Shakespeare or a million monkeys typing for one year to get Shakespeare? We have or the, the one genetically modified monkey with a million fingers <laughs> who typed for like a minute and a half. Exactly. Yes, yes. It's all about the variables. <laughs> you have never lied, Seb. In your life, you have never lied. It's <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think I agree with the general premise. I mean, like I said, I think of it as, as almost shared journaling. I mean, uh, I've always enjoyed our conversations and I, there haven't been enough of them. So, um, if, if we've got the formalism of a regularly scheduled recorded conversation that, that makes us do it more often then great. And, you know, I mean, the other thing is there's, um, there is, there's a serendipitous ingredient here, which is that the world we're living in right now and in, uh, June of 2020 is um, almost entirely virtual. Mm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. It's weirdly, I mean, I feel like from the time I wake up around six in the morning until often to like seven at night, I'm basically bouncing from one, <laughs> one virtual conversation to another, which at first was kind of exhausting, but it's kind of, I'm kind of adapted to it. So it feels like it's easier to do this and make it a habit now under these circumstances. And it would have been when you know there's we could go to the park or go to the you know what i mean there's too many yeah, too there's many less distractions of distractions i guess for yeah I, the old world was too distracting I, I, <laughs> yeah. I like it now that it's all on tv <laughs> indeed indeed <laughs> uh, but yeah, actually i think you're you're I, I love the 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 example of the shared journaling right because I, I was talking with a colleague earlier today and I said, you know, the way that I don't know if I want to put it on all humanity, but I'll say maybe the way that Americans in a capitalist society indicate whether things are important. You know, we either spend money on them or we spend time on them. Mm. And if they're really important, we end up spending both. Right. So, you know, similar to you, everything is going virtual. I spend probably 80 percent of my time. Um, making excuses why I can't turn on my camera. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah, you know, uh, my kids damaged the lens, so I'm just going to not turn this on. Um, But I I think what's, what's, yeah, it's just that kind of thing where if we tried to do this when we had so many, I guess, maybe external or non-shelter-in-place distractions, it it wouldn't feel as natural. But, you know, now we're able just to, take time and almost i think almost kind of take back zoom right yeah. like if we're, if we're gonna yeah you know it's it's <laughs> using zoom for good and not evil <laughs> yeah. yeah and we promise not to uh have a um no you first go, go ahead no go ahead we won't do <laughs> that thing <laughs> although you know what i like Seb? it's 
you know, what's that old joke? You know, you have, you know, two ears, so you should listen twice as much as you talk. Hmm. I think Zoom really does bring that to the fore where if you're not used to maybe taking a step back mm -hmm. and letting conversation happen around you, like all it takes is two people who don't have that skill to ruin any Zoom meeting. Yeah, <laughs> that is so true. Man, I was just saying that the other day when there was, we had a call with like, I don't know, 10, 12 people, the usual. IBM is always a, uh, uh, at least a mini bus when, <laughs> when a, 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 a two-seater would do. But um, so there's a ton of people on the line and Two of them happen to be people who have a reputation for talking over and, and run on sentences, which is a real pet peeve for me because it's like, I got what you said three sentences ago. You're still <laughs> going. You're explaining again something that everybody on the call gets, but you have not taken a breath. So there is no way for anybody to interject and go, got it. Can I just ask one thing about something you didn't mention? You're going to say the same thing again. And then there's two of these people <laughs> it's like <laughs> just talking over each other for like 30 minutes. I mean, it was, it was, it was really, I like, it was the closest thing to a zoom induced migraine I've ever had for sure. It is. Yeah. And I actually think, you know, from a medical standpoint, I'm interested to see what kind of new things we're going to have to deal with as humans. Um, from from this mode of interaction, right? Mm. Because it, it, you know, you talk about, you know, carpal tunnel syndrome. I guarantee you, you know, the people who were around the 1800s had no such thing as carpal tunnel syndrome. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they had, had like uh, uh, those wrist splints while they were <laughs> loading up the wagon with their barrels of beets. You don't think that was... Well, the question is, how did they actually, how did they live without copper fit? you know, um, <laughs> compression socks and, yeah. you know, and how do they go about their daily lives? <laughs> and no vitamins to speak of whatsoever. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's amazing that we as human beings have made it to this point, you know, yeah, without, <laughs> without multivitamins. <laughs> it's a good point. I mean, I, I also think there's, there's new social mores that are emerging, like um, uh -oh. on the, can, on the can weekend. You still hear me? Yep. Are you there? Oh boy, more technology. What did you do now? You just have to not touch anything, Gary. Wow. This, you know what? Luckily, this is the first. You can edit this out, right? Yeah, sure. Or I'll leave Perfect. it in. Because you're going to have to. <laughs> Let's try it again. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, I I do think there are new patterns, social oh, patterns. I know what because I. Mm. All right, again, how was that? Yeah, I can still hear you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Am I cutting yeah. off? No, because I tried to do something smart and actually put on a headset, um, which is what I get for thinking. Um, <laughs> but then when I plugged it in, it actually ended up going back to my Bluetooth device. Basically, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, my phone is trying to sabotage my one attempt to expand my reach. My and phone hates me, I think is what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They all do. I mean, that's why we're, we're going to get Skynet, for sure. Yeah, yeah, actually, I think Skynet's already here, and I think it's in the form of my spell checker, because... <laughs> Because that little son of a gun makes me look like an idiot. <laughs> it, it either 
it either sends wrong to actually, you know what? It's really not my spell checker sub as much as it's my talk to text. I think talk to text is really the embodiment of Skynet at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that ducking technology. It's terrible. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, I so, think yeah, please, please go time. ahead. Oh, like we just did it. Oh my God. What? <laughs> Is it, can you hear me now? I do indeed. I do okay, indeed. <laughs> um, yes. So there are uh, patterns emerging from web conference use for social interaction for like family and friend hangouts rather than just strictly business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been to three different events. The one, of, the first of which was you were at, which was that uh, yes, yes, uh, second successful clear scan after cancer call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're all following about the same structure where there's like, there's, you know, 20 to 30 people on the first 10 to 15 minutes are utter chaos as everybody, you know, <laughs> you see all of the creative ways that consumers <laughs> try to get their audio into video to work. Like, talking into the video camera and like, you know, everything, all the adorable things that they do. And then, um, uh, you know, and then there's like a round of introductions because, you know, you, you realistically any large gathering of people, you know, not everybody True. knows each other. So True. you orient yourself with the rest of the people, how, how you know the main person or whatever. And then, and then sharing of stories, right? Like little bits and pieces of, of but the cool thing about it is that, because the audio on these things is so crap, everybody's forced to stop and listen to that one person. You can't have side conversations. There's no, you know, there's no um, uh, pulling somebody aside or getting distracted or getting into another conversation and losing track of what's going on. So everybody has the stage for a, a small period of time, and it's less than you would be, t- you know, talking in a, uh, a two-hour event in normal circumstances, but you get to hear from everybody and there's more of a complete kind of, um, it's slightly formal and it's slightly presentation style and you get a lot more stories and everybody sort of gets a chance to share what they want, which is really interesting. It is, it is. And I think we, and I think part of what you talk about, because you mentioned those two individuals who maybe, you know, have a reputation for talking over, Mm -hmm. I think just based on the sensitivity of at least what I see in my Zoom meetings is, of course, as soon as any sound comes out from an unmuted mic, especially if you're on gallery view, um, you know, that person shoots to the front. So it's almost like Zoom kind of has this built-in way. It's kind of like an auction house, right? You know, very, very sensitive to movement. As soon as, as soon as you raise your hand, you just bought it. And I think that's what Zoom does. It kind of forces you, at least in a little bit, um, to, to, to acknowledge that you can't just keep the floor. Like you, you know, whether it's purpose with somebody, you know, doing some noise in the background or trying to break in or accidental, it's almost like you have these pauses that are going to come up in the conversation. I think if people are also usually a little bit more deferential, um, kind of like what you and I were just going through, you know, a couple of minutes ago, you, yeah. because there's this new technology, um, you know, you, you kind of let it go. But I think there's a difference from, you know, people who use Zoom professionally versus people who, you know, are, are new to this whole tech, technological uh, communications breakthrough because they're not used to seeing, they just kind of go. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know yeah. what I compare it to, Seb? 
it, it's almost like uh, for you, I mean, for those who don't know us, you know, for our jobs, we travel a lot, <laughs> you know, lots of points, lots of planes, lots of hotel stays. Um, it kind of reminds me of people who, when you come into the airport, like I think those of us who travel a lot, um, you know, on the rare times <laughs> when I go to an airport that doesn't have clear, like I'm looking for the lines to avoid. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh, this person doesn't travel at all. That's going to be a nightmare. I clearly, this other line may be longer, but I know that that person is going to hold it up. Let me go over here. Yes, you definitely uh, develop a, a newbie traveler radar when you're um, approaching the security line. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I think we've solved all the problems of signing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. On, right? <laughs> that, that was pretty easy, actually, you know. <laughs> I'm I'm wondering if there are any aliens who are tapping into this cow podcast who need us to solve something for them. Um, you know, because clearly as humans we can handle it all. Like if there's if the current situation isn't clear that human beings can solve any problem, I don't know what is. This is fine. <laughs> this is totally fine. This is fine. And <laughs> actually, I mean, I know we're we're probably going to talk about something more. Mm, actually, no, this is because it's journaling, so we're just going, but. It's, I'm also amazed how things have quickly entered into the lexicon, right? Mm -hmm. So you notice that there was no explanation needed for this is fine. Nope. And you and I have never sent any message that has, you know, an emo <laughs> emoticon or an emoji about this is fine. Yeah. But I guarantee you if we had to, if we both had to draw that picture, yeah. um, well, probably you because you draw better, um, but you'd roughly see some attempt at us to <laughs> to replicate you know a dog in flames and it's just yeah. it's amazing how these things are just kind of going in I, I, i'd be cheating because i own that t-shirt so <laughs> <laughs> very well very well <laughs> but yeah i mean if so for example if i say to you facepalm you know yeah. a lot of people are instantly going to think of the card now like that yeah, just yeah. that's just the way it is yeah 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 i mean that's so that was one of the things I was thinking about when I was thinking about yeah. this first conversation is like, uh, are you optimistic or are you pessimistic right now and why? Mm. So uh, I will say that I am optimistic because the alternative is too scary to contemplate. Yeah. <laughs> Same. And then, I, and then I try to think of, you know, other reasons to prop up the well i don't like the alternative <laughs> right exactly exactly because it's, like for example yeah. like you know i mean uh, the as you said the instantaneous or near instantaneous communication of, of ideas and concepts i feel like for example um the the horrific violence that we're mm. seeing now has always been perpetrated on people of color in the country. <laughs> we just see it now. And it's horrible that we see it, but I'd rather be seeing it because then we can do something about it. So like the technology has exposed uh, to people who didn't want to know about it, didn't realize how big it was, or were mm. trying to actively deny it. Um, they, they can't, right? I mean, it's there. We see it every day. and like that's, it feels emotionally like things have gotten worse, but rationally, I know all that's happening is we're witnessing it more, which is ultimately a good thing. I mean, that's where, where the, my optimism comes from is like, yeah, the, the cost, the, the price in human suffering and pain has always been there. We're seeing it and that it, it's not, it, 
it feels painful. It is painful. It was just the pain was being borne by a smaller number of people who actually witnessed it. Now we're all witnessing it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, and actually I have, but that's, this is why I love talking to geniuses. Um, it's a good point. Because... You got one? Where, where, are they joining? <laughs> I'm just assuming you are. I mean, I know it's not me. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I think what you what you're talking about is is interesting. And the two points I would I would offer on that are, you know, one of the one of the things that hastened the approval of you know voting rights and the civil rights acts were the horrible treatment that Bull Connor you know did to the protesters. In Alabama, right, and so right. it's kind of like that well, they saw on TV. exactly, because yeah. TV was the you know, or at least you know, TV was had been around for a while, but it was new that it had that it exposed that right because right. before it would have been you know still photos um, or it would have been a radio broadcast, right? But you know, right. for people to see it, um, especially maybe people who like you said similar right didn't didn't acknowledge that it was happening didn't want to think that the united states could have a sheriff or you know a, a person of authority who would sick dogs on human beings and protesters mm. um you know there was no denying that and the other thing i say now is i think the forces that sow dissent um and disruption and disharmony um in the united states I think have learned because what did we see when people started broadcasting things live? We saw the idea that these were actors, like what you saw, right. you really didn't see, you know, Sandy Hook was done by crisis actors. Right. Um, the, the, the 75 year old protester in Buffalo who got pushed down, yeah. you know, he really didn't fall that hard. Right. You know, it's, you know, <sighs> this idea of, what you are seeing you are not really seeing i think is an instantaneous reflex to the idea that news happens so instantaneously and video can be shared instantaneously around the world on numerous platforms you almost have to come up with well what's <laughs> what's going to be your authoritarian lie to right. help people or to get people to the point where it's you know either fake news or they're not seeing what they're seeing yeah yeah yeah, in fact, I mean, um, uh, uh, Orwell um, in mm -hmm. 1984, uh, with mm. the, uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, the party told you to, um, to not to believe the evidence of your senses. It was yes. their, their final, most essential command. Right? It's like, as you say, it, once it's exposed, once the, the, uh, the injustice is exposed, the only defense is to say, well, it's not true. Yeah. Like, you didn't see what you just saw. It's, um, you know, and I think it, it comes almost down to, I'm not going to go George Orwell. I'm going to go Eddie Murphy. Um, <laughs> you know, are you going to believe me or your lying eyes? Yeah. Right. And so, you know, wasn't me, but I just saw you. Nah, wasn't me. But I saw you. Yeah. Hmm, wasn't me. Yeah. Well, well, maybe it wasn't you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's this idea of, you know, I think sometimes people used to gaslight to maybe get out of trouble. Like, mm. you know, somebody's like, oh, no, that wasn't me. You know, you, you must have seen something else. It's not a big deal. But now it's almost like gaslighting is used as the first step. Like, you don't even yeah, have to yeah, get yeah. caught in the lie. Like, yeah. I'm making up a term here on our first podcast, pre-gaslighting. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to so soften you up with pre-gaslighting that I don't even have to gaslight you anymore. <laughs> 
and we're and we're talking about lighting farts, right? That's what we're talking about. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe we are. Um, well, you know, clearly, as some people will say, that's a form of wind, and I've heard some elected officials say that wind causes cancer. <laughs> so yeah, I guess in that case, that would <clears throat> that would kind of be like pre gas lighting. Sure, yeah, we'll sure. go with that. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm just like, the, as you were saying that, it just made me sort of think like how, um, how insecure um, people have to be to, uh, to trust. Like, you know, we, we, we give so much um, power to somebody in a position of authority that they can say, you didn't just see me do that. You, I, mm. I didn't just say that. That's not what I said, even when we heard and saw them, right? Well, mm -hmm. the amount of normalizing that's going on right now is astonishing. And it just makes me realize like how much we're programmed to want um, <coughs> you know, the people in charge to be competent. Like, well, we will lie on their behalves to make them like okay right it's sort of <laughs> like a childhood thing like your your parents are super dysfunctional and whatever alcoholic or abusive or whatever and you construct this whole sort of uh lie to yourself in the outside world and like this is this is fine <laughs> right? mm -hmm. yeah it, <laughs> it's uh it, it, there was a cartoon um i think it's written by tom tomorrow called this modern world mm -hmm. um where our the penguin uh, whose name i forget but I love him and everything I see him in those Tom Tomorrow cartoons talking to a Trump supporter. And he said, you know, he's asking questions about, well, didn't you just see this? Didn't you just see this? The Trump reporter, the Trump supporter keeps denying it, denying it. And finally, at the end, the Trump supporter says something I think hits upon what you're getting to. And he's like, Trump can never fail. He can only be failed. Mm -hmm. And it's like, mm -hmm. ah, I, I get it. I, 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 I see that now, mm -hmm. which is scary. To think it's really that, scary. You know, you know, and we'll, I'm sure at some point in time, um, assuming they even allow us back on whatever podcast medium we post this, um, <laughs> when we do a, a subsequent ones, you know, you talk about this concept of infallibility. And, you know, I guess I'm old enough to remember where the only political leader who was truly thought of as infallible by a large majority of his followers was the Pope. Right. right. And, and it, it and, and, and there are a lot of other reasons why that was, but even, you know, your elected officials, they could be popular, but it was at least acknowledged that they could make and would make mistakes because they are human. Hmm. But now this idea of, you know, going back to that Tom Tomorrow cartoon, like he can never fail. He can only be failed hmm. by human beings who are lesser than him. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the essence of, <laughs> autocracy right i mean that's an autocratic <laughs> leader that's a that's an absolute monarch basically like yeah you're right i'm i'm a monarch through a a and, and usually those authoritarian dictators come up through you know some sort of government that was actually functioning maybe maybe right. not functioning perfectly but it did have right. some norms right around it before they got there and yep. and then they dismantle it all you know I've, I've i've had numerous conversations with a bunch of people and and the one thing i keep coming back to is it is impossible to shame the shameless yeah yeah you it's know, a very you, good point yeah you you can yell at them at the top of their at the top of your lungs um and it just doesn't 
it, it just doesn't work. It's kind of yeah. like when, when we have, you know, I'm not we, because I think we both agree the earth is round, but I'm sure there was some point in time where people were Be having for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I know there was some point in time where people were having round earth, flat earth conversations. Right. And then, you know, through judicious science and exploration and, you know, astronomy and, 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 and science, we were able to determine that the earth was round. And now it comes to the point where, you know, there it's a baseline agreed upon norm for the conversation, right? It's no longer whether the earth is round or flat, it's the earth is round and then I wonder how long it takes to revolve around the sun or I wonder how long right. how fast it right. spins on the axis. So you right. know and, and and I think what happens is when somebody brings to the table a challenge to those things that are assumed. I think you see the power, or in many cases now, the lack of power around the norms that have been assumed right, before that. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it feels like, I mean, although um, the flat earth thing is, is a denial of science, but <laughs> in the political realm, it feels like, in the you know, social realm, it feels like, um, you know, norms are given, as you said, they're, they're given the, the power of like, uh, uh, logical, factual, um, rational progress. Like mm. we we had this norm because it was built on previous norms, and it's better than the previous norms, and therefore mm. it's it's got the weight of of being the best that we know uh, in terms of how to how to do this thing, or what this policy should be, what this you know way of of conducting our business should be. But that's not it's not true. There's a there's a lie embedded in that, right? I mean, any child can say like. Well, why, you know, this, this, there's an arbitrariness to it. We're just deciding that that's the way things should be because yeah. it's convenient or, you know, change would be hard. We're not sure a better way to do it or whatever. But um, that is also a, a shield for complacency. So, you know, uh, as disruptive and as risk-filled and tragic as the, the abandonment of the, the norms of federal government in the United States has been, you know, there's 118,000 people dead of COVID-19, the vast majority of which didn't have to die. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, again, going back to the theme of like, we're optimistic because we don't like the alternative. (laughs) Um, I I have to think that, you know, in in part, we're having these conversations about race and misogyny and, uh, and trans live, trans rights, because we are challenging all those norms that were inhibiting those conversations, right? We, mm. we tie bad um, status quo to good status quo. And we aren't, we have a hard time examining those norms and trying to go like, okay, which, which of these can be improved? Cause so many people act so defensively, like, Oh, you're just going to tear them all down when we're trying <laughs> for progress. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and I, I think there's a concept in, in Darwinism um, that, that talks about, you know, those things that are good survive um, and those things that are quote unquote bad or not built to survive in whatever the environment is will go away. Mm. And it, it almost feels like when you talk about, so, you know, I'm like you, I've had many, many conversations with people at work. Um, and, you know, the one thing we talk about is, especially around these topics of, you know, race and politics and religion is, let's see, I, I graduated in 93, 
right? So I've got 27 years of rigid corporate American training to actively deflect and not have these types of conversations at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and, and I say, when I say at work, I'm talking about an open forum where, you know, the, the, the executive management team is getting together and having these, you know, town hall discussions about racial and social justice and equity. Um, of course, we always had these conversations with small groups of people. You and I have had many of these conversations one-on-one on ourselves. Right. But the idea of, and I'm going to steal a term um, from someone I was talking to at work, the idea that talking about race and social justice in an open form was literally the equivalent of committing corporate career seppuku. Right, right. right. You just, you know, oh, well, I, I'm glad you enjoyed working here. Hopefully that <laughs> yeah. conversation was worth it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it and it's and it's changed and I and I think that you know a lot of us because I've had a great many colleagues um who who don't identify um as as black or brown or minority um you know come to me and 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 talk about or ask you know the questions and I just don't know that right now in 2020 I just don't think that we have the language and we just don't have the experience and we just don't have, again, we're trying to get over that training. Mm. You know, it's, it's kind of like when someone says, okay, be spontaneous right now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <me> right, right <laughs> now? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time to understand that it truly is a safe, sustainable space for those companies mm. that are trying to have these conversations. It's going to take a little while. Yeah, that's an interesting analogy because like uh, improv or, or acting or whatever, I mean, if, you know, the, there's a, uh, robust tradition of warm-ups, right? Like warm-up mm. exercises where you mm-hmm. try to loosen up and, and sort of start to feel like you're trusting the people you're doing it with and then you sort of ease into it, right? I mean, I wonder in the workplace, what, what are those what are the equivalent of like <laughs> acting warm-ups, but for like, you know, honesty and vulnerability and, and racial equality and, uh, and gender equality, et cetera. <laughs> Well, you know, if we if we think about, and again, I'm focusing on corporate culture in America because yeah, that's yeah. what I have the most experience with, right? Um, it's not necessarily built on openness and honesty. No, if we just talk about salaries, right? I don't know if the same person who has my title gets paid, right? And you know, unless he or she talk with me, I don't know what they don't know what I got paid, right? So there's yeah. always this undercurrent of. I don't want to say dishonesty, but lack of complete information yes. Yes. that's at the base of, of, of everything. And it underpins a lot. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, and I mean, <laughs> if you think about it from a, uh, from a, you know, an HR or whatever um, uh, management perspective, the idea of uh, how do you solve that? Well, just make everybody's salaries transparent. That would mm. be complete and utter chaos. <laughs> it would be like apocalyptic, I think. It, right. Well, I don't know. I think it. I think it would be apocalyptic in the American norm. Yeah, that's but, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So we are sticking with America because we. I think we know of a couple of countries where yes, everybody's salary is public, and you know they don't have trash can fires and and dogs <laughs> and naked children running in the street. Like somehow they've managed to survive. Just in the conference room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you know, I think, and and because. You know, there's the idea of, I think a wonderful concept is American exceptionalism. I was just going to say that. <laughs> well, because I'm psychic, I can read your mind. And I use my powers only for good and never for evil, right? Great power. 
comes great responsibility. Um, but yeah, this idea of American exceptionalism, I think what we're seeing is that can very quickly get twisted into American awesomeness, where, you know, this, the idea that everybody is this special snowflake right. and that, you know, as we heard, you know, President Obama get absolutely pilloried for the concept of, well, you didn't build that. Well, what do you mean? Um, you know, like, are you insulting me? Are you saying that I'm less than right. because are you insinuating that somehow I'm not responsible um, for everything that I've done in my life? And, you know, I, of course, I built this business by right. myself. It's right. Like, uh, OK. Um, you know, defensive much? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, an even more recent example, obviously, is the uh, the the anti-mask demonstrations, right? Like, I want to get my hair yeah. cut. Stop yeah. infringing my right to get my hair cut. And if I <laughs> if I, I have a communicable disease or any, and kill a few people, it's worth the haircut. Like, insane. Or just, I mean, I guess at the root, they're not thinking that. They're just thinking, um, it's not going to happen to me, right? It, which is exceptionalism, like, in its yes. purest form. It's just, yes. Yeah. I mean, you guys have to worry about the virus. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> American invulnerability, yeah. you know. Would John Wayne wear a mask out in public? You know, <laughs> what are you trying to say? And 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 yeah, but I also think, um, and I'm I'm by the way, Seb, this is the warning for all of you listening to the podcast the first time. This is the going there button. So I'm going there. Yes. Um, I think what I'm seeing in these protests is the first time that white people have been told that there's something they cannot do. <laughs> and I don't, I mean, as a, as a minority living in this country, I am used to being right. told that there are things I can't do there. I'm right. used to being thought of as less than. I'm used to the idea that maybe what I want is not what will happen. Um, and I think what I'm seeing when you combine that American awesomeness that we talked about with the idea that, you know, you're not able to do X, Y, and Z, um, I think for a lot of people who don't acknowledge their privilege, um, this, it's, it's, you see the reactions which, you know, the ultimate manifestation is people with guns yelling at cops. Yeah. Yeah, I know. God. Uh, did you see in Albuquerque, there was like a, a militia force out, or like a, I think they call yeah. themselves public safety or public service militias. Yes, yes. We Bozos with guns. You. Yeah, and they shot somebody, and the police calmly and peacefully detained them took their AR-15s and other weapons from them and then like loaded yeah. them gently into the back of police cars. You know what? It, uh, as, as my wife and I joke all the time, I would say to that, must be nice. Must be nice, yeah. Must be nice. I can't, you know, I can't even fathom what it would take um, if those protesters looked different. Yeah, I know. I know. And I know. And I think way, also, not that I yeah. think everybody who's protesting should be carrying AR-15. Yeah, right. Like, let's not have take it to <laughs> that are, level of mass no, no. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's the equality we're really arguing for. No, we are not. We are absolutely yes. To be clear, if, when you go back and edit it, you'll take that part out. <laughs> uh, uh, it is. It is. You know, I'm uh, so going maybe all the way back to what we talked about. Why are why are why am I optimistic? Mm. Um, I'm optimistic because it seems like this has been that seminal moment. I mean, 
kind of going back to what I talked about, you know, people seeing the protests right. in the 60s. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's this moment in time, because I will tell you that although I've had a lot of colleagues reach out to me over, you know, the recent um, protests and George Floyd, I had no colleagues reach out to me when Eric Gardner was killed. Mm. I had no mm. colleagues reach out to me when, um, when um, and Brown was killed, right. or Tamir Rice, Michael or Trayvon yeah. Martin. Yeah. Right. So it feels like there's an acknowledgement that something has something has shifted. I'm not quite yeah. sure what it is. Yeah. Um, but something has shifted. So, yeah, I, I, I guess I'd be interested, Seb, from 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 the perspective of somebody whose aspects of diversity are not, you know, subjugated in general society. Like, what what do you see has changed about hmm. the questions of the narratives that that are coming up? Well, I mean, um, I guess part of it is just the straight visceral impact. I mean, that, that mm. footage is bone chilling, right? It's mm. broad daylight. He's staring right into the camera, mm -hmm. standing around like they're waiting for their whatever coffee order at Starbucks. They look so casual as they murder that man. It's, um, yeah. It's, yeah. It, oh, and somebody pointed out, um, that uh, I believe it was Eric Garner's murder was captured on a flip phone with like 260p resolution and George Floyd was 1080p, you know, 60 frames per second, like, mm -hmm. you know, very high def video. And, and yeah. I think that it's undeniable that the emotional impact is greater the more you know i mean a, a grainy footage is is lower impact than other than blair witch uh project it's lower impact <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> than yeah. super high 4k or whatever so i think it's partly that i think it's partly that um uh we're not uh we're not a minority online society anymore we're a uh you know not even a we're a plurality we're a super majority online everybody's online right mm. every generation mm -hmm every walk of life, everybody's got a smartphone, everybody's consuming media while they're waiting in line or, or you know, on the toilet or whatever. So there's a yeah. more universality, which back to your, to your um, point, I mean, similar, uh, similar inflection points with the, um, with the, the uh, injustice, with the, the abuse that was televised that led to the, in, in large part of the Civil Rights Act, um, you know, it was more, it was, better quality it was in prime time it was better quality video or, or mm -hmm. film um mm -hmm. and so it was it was higher emotional impact and more people were watching you know there's more tvs in the america than there had been ever and all of the, those same factors it's just another plateau of uh emotional impact and, and uh general awareness i think in large part and then a lot of it's just you know i mean i think there is a cycle and we've been there's been a growing um uh, uh, like disillusionment with um, where we are and the progress that we haven't made, right? And the, mm -hmm. the shortcomings of the Civil Rights Act, of uh, the fact that the Equal Rights Amendment still isn't, you know, or sorry, <laughs> Equal Rights Amendment is that, yeah, it's yeah. not in the Constitution. Like, you know, there's a growing frustration and a growing, um, uh, uh, as the population in the United States gets younger, or, I mean, the, the demographics start to shift, right? The, there's this growing frustration with, like, you know, come on, boomers, like, get out of the way, let us, let us yeah. take a whack at it. So I think there's a lot of things, but those are the three that sort of pop out to me. 
Yeah, it's it's you know I've as as I've had people talk to me um, and ask you know for help or guidance or just you know really wanted to have some kind of catharsis about this. Um, I I I often point out that there is a huge delta um, in the United States in terms of who we are versus who we think we are. Yeah, and I think when moments like this come up, it really parts out that that delta is much, much wider than you thought it was. Yeah. I think all of us who are self-aware understand that there is some delta between who we are versus who we think we are. But this is starkly pointing out, I mean, yeah. to have people tell me, I didn't realize we were still here or we were still here. Um, you know, I had one colleague say, you know, after Obama was elected, I thought we were past this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, and that's and actually, that's a great point because um, quite the opposite, right? I mean, what happened, <laughs> well, I mean, it started to, 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 uh, to flush them out basically. Yeah. Like the Tea Party yes. stuff was like 99% racism and a little bit of just confusion about how the economy works basically, <laughs> you know, like. That's good math right there. That's good, <laughs> solid math right there. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it started to paint the picture, I think, in, in starker contrast of like, not only is racism not ended, sorry, bad news, <laughs> not ended, but also mm. now you really pissed them off. <laughs> it, it, that I, I remember, I, I mean, remember, I remember the joy and jubilation. Um, and again, I will speak for myself, but as a black person, I was thinking, oh my goodness, like this they're going to kill him mm. like this is i thought that was absolutely, yeah. absolutely yeah like i'm thinking this moment of joy is going to be like everything else america does it's going mm. to be taken and stolen from me because <sighs> you know there are people who just can't get it through their head and so you know when i see the you know one of the first jokes that comes out um after he wins the election is you know you know a, a, another black family in government housing with you know a picture of the white house you know and i and i would tell anybody who thought that it went away um you know it just became less popular to display publicly at least in in some areas in some areas in, in the some United areas. states i think yeah i think you know they're very clear about what they feel yeah. um but yeah this idea of getting back to what i was saying you know the difference between who we are versus who we think we are like of course it is it is easy for you to go about your life and be comfortable if you think we are better than we are. And this idea of not being the people we think we are, I think is, is frightening because mm. it, 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 aside from the fact that there are people who still harbor these feelings, it also makes you question yourself and your own self-awareness. And that's what I see a yeah. lot of my white colleagues coming out with like, you know, wow, everything I, a lot of what I thought, um, in terms of, you know, things getting better or things improving isn't true. What else do I need to question? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to be a hundred percent honest. I certainly knew that, um, that this level of violence against black men in particular, but, um, mm -hmm. minorities of all stripes and trans people was a major problem. I did not know the extent of the problem. I didn't until mm -hmm. we start, I mean, you know, what it was maybe three, four years ago, um, I can't remember the name of the project, but some, some group of data scientists tried to start actually getting a count, right? And like, they're very, very careful about not collecting that data for all these mm -hmm. pieces. And the numbers were just staggering. Like, you know, it's, it's 
it's more than a daily occurrence. It happens all of the time, all the time. Yeah. And that's just in, you know, on the streets, in our cities, the prison populations, I mean, Ouch. yeah, I mean, we haven't <laughs> even started. To, there aren't smartphones there yet, right? I mean, like, <laughs> oh. I forgot, and, and there are going to be a lot of things, I'm sure, as we come up on this podcast, you know, things we've heard and things that we know, but we can't necessarily directly source them. But I will offer that, you know, one of the things I've heard is that, you know, you can judge a society by how it treats its prisoners, you know, how it treats yeah. the least of them. And, and to your point, um, you know, there, there, there seems to be this idea sometimes that, well, you know, there are more black people in, in jail because black people commit more crimes. And it's like every data scientist when controlling for all factors no. says yeah. something that is, that is patently not true. You know, it's the people opposite. of all ethnicity. <laughs> yeah. People of all, actually, I don't even know if it's the opposite. I think what it comes down to is people of ethnicities, all ethnicities commit crimes at roughly the same rate. What we have. Yeah, is true. I, but actually, what I was thinking was um, immigrants, uh, people who are. Oh, not oh yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. Well, less, less, much exactly less. Right. Crime. If there's anybody who's trying to stay off the radar of police, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's people who are here illegally, not likely to call. Even legal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they just have more at risk, right? I mean, yeah. They know that the, circ the, the consequences are going to be. Uh, and not only that, I mean, there's so much intentionality in coming to a new country and uh, have, you know, facing all the challenges of often language, certainly culture, possibly different standards around what skills are required. If it's, you're talking about, you know, uh, you know, how many, how many taxi drivers have you met in New York city where yeah. doctors or nurses or, or yeah, some other yeah. profession, you know, like mm -hmm. the, the idea that, that you're going to be that disciplined and that motivated to get your family to a new place and then uh you know and then uh, whatever commit crimes for sport is so patently insane i i don't i i don't know that that risk profile exists in a sane right mentally competent human being right to get here you have to be a person <laughs> well you have to go through together. so much yeah, exactly <laughs> you know it's it, it, yeah, you, you, you know, and I'm not familiar with all of the hurdles that you have to go through for, to, to be a citizen of the United States or even to get here legally and work to become a citizen of the United States. But, you know, suffice it to say, it is not a process that you wake up on a Monday and it happens on a no. Saturday. Like it is, no. <laughs> it is heavily invested. You have to be heavily invested in the success in order to make it work. And yeah, this idea that you know, and I think, but actually, Sebastian, I think it's one of the things that we come across. So when I think of the prison population, when I think of children, when I think of illegal immigrants, they all have something in common. And that is, except in rare cases, they do not have the opportunity to vote, except for some prisoners, mm -hmm. I think, in Maine or Vermont. You know, illegal immigrants can't vote, children right. can't vote, people in prison can't vote. Right. And those are three of the most vulnerable populations yeah. that are constantly getting abused by power because they have to have their voices represented right. by proxy. That's right. If at all. Yeah. Yeah. If, if at all. all. Yeah. Which Although, actually, I don't know if that's true. Maybe, maybe give might, you a hint yeah, why yeah. the Republicans uh, main strategy for the next election is to, <laughs> to suppress the votes. <laughs> But, but I love the the, uh, the quiet parts out loud um, aspect. Yes, of, 
my favorite yeah. part about him. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of favorite aspects about Donald Trump. <laughs> um, but really, the only one I appreciate is the fact that he says the quiet part out loud. And he, there was that interview where he said, uh, oh, if there's all these vote by mail initiatives. If we let them all go through, you'll have so much turnout to vote. We'll never win another election again. Wow. <laughs> You know, it's you that's know, what I, I call motivation. It's well, and then you, but you know, what I find very interesting is that the job of spokesman or spokesperson, I guess, presidential spokesperson, has changed from hey, listen, the president can't give interviews 24 hours a day, but I'm here to speak to his um, positions and try to answer some questions. It's gone from that to, let me tell you what the president really meant. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. He, didn't, let, he didn't mean what he said. Back to our starting point, right? Like, do not trust the evidence of your senses. I know that's what you heard, but here's what, you know, here's what was in his heart. Well, yeah. right now, you know, we're not in the 23rd century with Star Trek. We don't have any idea to measure what was in people's hearts. We can only go by the words that come out of their mouth when they're being recorded mm-hmm. and, the, and the actions they take, <laughs> you know, and it was, uh, yeah, you're right. It, it's, it, you know, what is it? Uh, what's, I think there's a, a quote in the Bible, you know, uh, something about, um, you know, faith and works. And of course now everybody listens to this podcast who has a Bible by the hand is going to think that I'm a, godless atheist but you know it's the idea that you no, know that'd be me <laughs> oh no i think it's works without faith is dead right oh yeah you know there's there's this idea of you know what you say is fine but you know you have to have some faith and actually do what's there and and, and to your point i think what amazes me about the gop um is that they're really not even bothering to tell good lies anymore nope i could usually I could usually depend on the GOP to give me good lies, things that had the veneer of yeah. acceptability or, you know, it was spin, right? It's, you know, I don't agree with you, but okay, that's, that's spin and that's yeah. fine. Yeah. But now you're, they're not even taking the time to tell the good lies. I know. I, and yeah, that's, that's the thing that makes me feel, I mean, the most trepidation and also the most hope in a way, because, um, that feels like uh, like that trend line ends up with either um, the the they don't even bother lying anymore because they have autocratic rule over you know mm. and now dead democracy, or mm-hmm. um, you know the the as, as what is happening so far is voter turnout in the Georgia primaries blew the doors off of the previous record right Mm -hmm. um even though they'd shut down most of the polling places (laughs) and it took like eight hours to vote like the more so far the more they say um we're not even gonna bother constructing a good lie for you because we that's how little we think of you Mm -hmm. uh, because you're not going to bother saving yourself the more the majority of americans are saying uh watch us right yeah like you know, Wisconsin too, like they turned yeah. out for that, that primary, like in record numbers and the midterms, I mean, 2018 was record turnout for, for Democrats, for, um, for a midterm election, non-presidential election. All of those things are like, I think we're going to win, but the stakes are so high and the, <laughs> the downside is so huge yeah. that yes. it is scary. It's a, 
I am very glad I'm half Canadian. <laughs> um, and, and guilty, I'm, too, because I don't like and, having an out that nobody else does. Or <laughs> well, you know, just, you, actually, I think, um, Seb, I'm not sure about Canadian law, but I think they say you can bring a family friend. Sure. So, you know, if, if sure. you know, me and, the, and my wife and the girls could just come on up with you, that'd be sure. fantastic. Well, I'll, I'll adopt you all. I don't know. Yes, <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. I had um, him when I was very young. <laughs> Listen, you don't know the Three, you think, don't need right? to know the details. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Just know that this is my pe- these are my people and this is my family. It's um Well, you are and, family, so that's Indeed. True. Indeed, you know, uh, Seb, I often say that good friends are the family that we pick for ourselves, right? Yep. You know, and so, you know, this ability to choose um, you know, people who are good and positive and and can refresh us when our wellsprings run dry mm-hmm. is, you know, I think the hallmark of friendship, which is why I always appreciate, you know, our opportunities to talk. It's, it's, it's like that, but there, there was something you it said. It really is. It, it is. It truly is. Um, something you had just said earlier and dang it, how come we can't press rewind and record? You <laughs> said, Oh, I remember now. Um, we were talking about, you know, the voter turnout and what I see in the GOP represents what I would term death throws. Right, right. The I, and 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 that's one thing because I think as a as a party that's constructed, you know, they're just not built for the future. Um, yeah. But I'm very concerned about their present and what they will do to stay in power if once the realization is already out there yeah. that you know this business model fails because yeah. it's the what it's the wounded animal that's the most dangerous. That's right. That's right. You yeah, know. exactly. And I mean. And, and, and even the wounded animal who, who can't, I mean, if you, if you look at this as being the GOP's end game, intentional or not, mm-hmm. um, you know, in some ways, this is just a really slow motion rise of a fascist party, right? Like mm-hmm. Hitler did this over the period of like 10 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. They just did it over like 80 years. <laughs> you know, like, By the way, bonus round, it only took us an hour and a half to get to Hitler. <laughs> It only t- like Godwin would be proud. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what the over under was, but I had to believe it was under ninety minutes. Oh, I thought it was going to be like <laughs> thirty seconds in. Honestly, <laughs> we've been very delicately picking our way around the topic. Yeah, yeah. It, but you're, I mean, you're you're nailing it, right? You know, whether purposeful or unintentional, you know, this is this is what this looks like when you have rationalized, you know accepting those things that go 100% against your core beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow this is okay. Core beliefs. Well, you know, conven- I'd say convenient dressing. core beliefs. Yeah. Well, you know, at, at, at some point, at some point they became just whatever the opposite of the, of the other aisle is. And, and, and while I had definitely have issues with democratic, you know, candidates and democratic politicians and democratic policies, you know, the, the, at a on a whole, the Democrats seem to be for something, and yeah. Republicans have morphed into this just against the Democrats. Yeah, well, or or for nothing at this point. I mean, <laughs> they are the definition of nihilist at this point. They're a death cult. Like yeah. they're literally a death cult. They're not. They're, no one in the Republican Party is saying, "Hey, can we figure out how to make less people die?" Like that's not a it's not a priority for them. Sebastian, our human capital stock is willing to get back, is ready to get back to work. <laughs> yeah. if, if Grandma's if you, had a good run, but she knows 
Those burgers need to be flipped. Exactly. That hair's got to be cut. What? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's a hundred million tickets sold for the Tulsa rally, so you know, uh, it's and, and by the way, just in general, even though I, I've I've been to events at sports arenas and there's usually a large, you know, small print on the back of the ticket of all the things that they're not responsible for, <laughs> yeah. but I have never been to a sporting event where I have to sign a waiver that says, by the way, if you catch a communicable disease and die. you cannot sue anybody not associated with the arena or the sports. Well, and you know, no, there's no, no. going to be there's gonna be so much peer pressure to not wear masks there too, right? I'm not sure if we're going to post this on the PG or the <laughs> R-rated version or whatever platform, but this is going to be a cluster. Yeah, a cluster. And down. I think, yeah, it's, I auto corrected well, it for you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be a cluster in both ways. I think it's going to be a cluster duck, and I think it's also going to be a cluster of an explosion of new cases. Yeah, like no it, it, it is going to be a true cluster. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and, and that's and, good. There, there's, there a, there's a way in which the GOP is not like the Nazi party because the Nazi party picked a, a group that they could other and uh, yeah. feed their death cult with. The GOP appears to be feeding their death cult with their own supporters. There <laughs> is not a good strategy, guys. You know, I understand that some of you were former lobbyists for Altria, which used to be owned as Philip Morris. I get that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I understand you're used True. to putting out a product that, yes, exactly, with marketing and death. A... <laughs> oh, and, and put... don't forget all the arms dealers and DOD contractors. Like they, that is their people. You're right. Well, you know, if if you put out a policy or you put out a product, you know, that is responsible for the death of those who consume it, you know, and and you don't have people to replace those consumers, right? Okay, fine. Cigarettes aren't popular in the United States anymore, but, you know, I think we'll just go to the Philippines. Have you um, seen our bubblegum-flavored vape pen? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, I have. <laughs> and by the way, that's not aimed at children, Seb. It's just aimed at adults who really like the flavor and taste like of bubblegum. Bubble yeah. <laughs> uh, you know... No, listen, the reason why we have Power Rangers cigarettes is not because we're trying to attract children, but I know that there are adults who want to harken back to a gentler sure. time when they enjoyed the Power Rangers, and we're just trying to tap into that. While smoking. While, yes, while smoking. By the <laughs> way, you, you just made me think of another way that the yeah. GOP has become a perversion of what they purported to be, which is like the the foreign power, like the projection of foreign power, right? The mm. protecting mm -hmm. America's interests overseas, protecting democracy around the world. But like, basically, we, it feels like the continual growth of the defense industry was being, uh, you know, was what they weren't meeting their forecasts for profitability. So they just mm. started selling it all domestically, which is how we ended up with these militarized police forces with <laughs> tanks and shit. Like, <laughs> It's unbelievable how militaristic our police are now to the point where when you see cops in, there was, um, anyway, there was certain, oh, Camden, I think, New Jersey, just in their, you know, white short sleeve shirts with a regular old police hat on, walking mm. along with their polyester slacks with the protesters. It looks bizarre. You're like, what is that? Like, is that like a mailman? I don't understand. Cause or maybe it's a mall security cop. Right. No, they have the tactical gear too. Right. And oh. <laughs> so that we can, I mean, um, 
uh, I just saw a stat today. Um, Americans spend, it was, it was Robert Reich tweeted it. Americans spend something like, I think it was 107 or $117 billion more per year on police forces than on public housing. $107 billion a year. So I will tell you that as as I will tell you as a as a black person in America, I listen to the words that people say. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I listen to the words and why many other people who are or black or minority or 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 in many cases otherwise marginalized is because the words let you know what's really going in going on. So when we say the war on drugs, yeah, right, that instantly puts you in a mindset where there are people who live uh, who are on your side and people who need to die because mm-hmm. that's what we do in wars we yeah. kill the other side yeah right and and when we send out these police officers with the idea that they're fighting a war yeah it, it, it just like well if you're gonna fight you're a right. war i guess you need warlike you're materials right, right? You're right. um yeah, no, you know, if you just put your finger on a, probably the exact moment when that transformation started to happen. Exactly right. I, I think so. And, and listen, I, luckily, um, I have never been to war, but I've had family members um, who fought in wars. And I've listened to stories of people who have fought in wars, whether it be, you know, going to museums or, you know, National Geographic or whatever else. And the one thing that seems to be ex- incredibly consistent is that nobody likes them and that they're <laughs> hell if you if 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 you had a choice you know we should all choose not to fight them if i could give and it zero stars i would <laughs> basically war is zero on rotten tomatoes it's got a zero <laughs> fresh rating right and 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 you know this this idea of like what we were just talking about the whole militarization aspect of this and i, and I think the other point that I would the my point on top of your point, which was on my point, was <laughs> in a in a war, it is a fight to the death. And it's mm-hmm. not so much that you're trying to even beat the enemy or something else. Like you you need to make sure that the enemy is destroyed so that it can yeah. never come back. And you send people out in fear, right? Yeah. We send cops out in fear of Absolutely. their lives. And 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 to the point where it goes back to what you were talking about in George Floyd, the idea that there were four police officers standing around, you know, three uh, aiding and abetting in my mind, and one mm-hmm. actually committing murder, you know, that's, that's kind of what we do. It's this idea that every single threat, what's, what's that joke? You know, it, it, if the only tool you have is a hammer. Yeah. Yeah, everything looks like a nail. Well, and just in in military tactics, the number one tactic is you meet you meet the opposite force with with an overwhelming response. Yes, I mean, that's, yes. that's the whole point because otherwise it's a stalemate, and you know there isn't a winner, so to speak. Uh, this this idea that you know the 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 first response. You know what? I, I forgot the comedian, but there was a you know he was he was making fun of British police officers at the time, you know who don't carry guns, and you know their idea was stop or I'll yell stop again, and you know it's a shame that police officers are not given any tools, you know in those gradients between zero and ten. 
right, in between a complete de-escalation and deadly force, like they just aren't given any tools to, to maybe do a three or maybe to do a five. It's like, right. mm, well, if you're not compliant, I must tase you and choke you. Well, and that's, I think that's, to me, the most um, powerful argument for the, the defund the police um, movement, which is the police force as it exists in this country is every one of them is like the, the, the this one goes to 11 kind of uh, force mm. um, response that the very, very special elite squads in the UK and other countries that have less militarized police and more peacekeeping police, that they bring them out for when the guy with the gun loses his shit and, and barricades himself in, in yeah. a building with coworkers, right? And mm -hmm. like, they're meant for those situations only, which are a tiny minority of the situations that they actually go out for. So they're trained much, much, much more of their training is, is in de-escalation and is in social work, is in mental health care. Like it's all soft skills, which are meant to help society, you know, be well and civil, <laughs> right? I mean, indeed, indeed. Ah, it's, yeah. it's that, yeah, that, that, like you mentioned, I think the, and, and, and so I, I'm actually using what I like to call the three R's. So instead of defund police, I like to say, you know, reform, refine, reallocate. Yeah. Right. It's this idea of properly constructed. I think police forces can be in are, are necessary and can be incredibly good, but you know, this idea of, and I keep, I'm hearing, the, I'm hearing this narrative on the rare times when I can look at Fox News and not have my eyes burn out of my skull like a Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, movie is, you know, mm -hmm. it's only a few bad apples. Yeah, right. And everybody seems to be leaving <laughs> off the last part of that phrase, yes. which is a few <laughs> bad apples spoil the entire bunch. That's right. Right. It's, <laughs> it's a beautiful piece, by the way, by Helen Rosner in the New Yorker um, that is, uh, it's a, she's a food writer and it's a description okay. of how apples go rotten, like the, uh, the whole mechanism of it and how you have to prevent it and how you need to take precautions. And if it starts, what steps you have to take, never mentions the police, not once. And she's very clearly talking about the police. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful. It's Rosner, you said? Yeah. I'll send you yeah. that. Yeah, please, please. It's, but I think to your point, it's, it's. It goes back to something I think we were talking about earlier where, you know, we are not, there's a delta between who we are versus who we think we are. Yeah. It gives us comfort to think that it's only a few bad apples. Right. Because otherwise we would have to deal with the fact that maybe there's a lot of bad apples, you know, and by the way, apples who keep getting passed from barrel to barrel. Like, yeah. that's the other thing about these bad apples. It's not that they're thrown out so that they can't affect anything. Like, no. they go from the, you know, the city police barrel to the sheriff police barrel right. you know and they move and they're hired in another city or they go next door and it's like oh i see you've got police experience why isn't did you leave your weird, other job isn't it well, weird you know, that right that that uh, uh white cops um catholic priests and and abusive <sighs> teachers all have been treated the same way for decades where it's like all right you've crossed over a line we can't keep you here we'll find another mm. place for you to continue doing this Unbelievably bad. It is. It is. It is interesting, but I think all of those organizations um, 
have certain things that are in similar, right? This, this air of infallibility, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, Not only air, but like almost uh, 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 reliance on the perception yes. that they're infallible. Without that, they feel like they're nothing, right? They don't have any authority unless they are infallible. It, it, exactly, right? And this, this idea that, you know, it, it's, it's so hard to find good ones that we have to keep the bad ones yeah it's like well you know i'm not sure yeah i'm I'm not sure that a fear-based resource plan is the best way to talk about your industry like yeah (laughs) you know i need to speak to someone in your marketing department because i think you're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable (laughs) (laughs) so we should start to wrap up Okay. Leave them, oh yeah, because this thing is probably going to be more. like eighty megabytes, right? <laughs> megabytes. <laughs> I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> I'm worried about my hard drive. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so okay. So, how do we put a bow on it for this conversation? I, th- it's I obviously we... it's not it's not a. Uh, total summation is just a, a comma or a semicolon. Maybe. Yeah, it's, it's like the capstone. Um, so in addition to being, I think it goes back to you, the initial question maybe started. So addition to being why I'm optimistic um, is because in addition to the the fear of the alternative, I choose to be optimistic because I have a belief in my fellow humans mm-hmm. that when, when it comes time to meet the moment, that although there may be some who, who want to fight, there will be more who will say yes, who will say, you know, in the lines of my favorite um, Star Trek captain, the line must be drawn here and no further. I think we are finally to a point, and I'm optimistic that enough people um, in the United States, once their eyes have been opened, once the scales fall away from their eyes, um, that they're not only committed to continuing to see and seek the truth, but they're committed to act on what it is they're they're seeing, right? So they're putting putting actions behind their words, and and that's why I choose to be optimistic. How about yourself? Very much along your lines. You said early on. something to the extent that uh this this species has been able to get to the moon and to survive innumerable challenges along the Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. i always think about um like geneticists believe that uh at one point the human species was reduced down to twenty-five thousand individuals (laughs) that's as far as you can tell from the data models that's how small the choke point was genetically at some point in you know several hundred thousand years ago Mm -hmm. um when i think about uh like that to me is the most evidence-based reason for optimism (laughs) because almost like we were saying earlier these moments when there's a, a a tangible existential threat that feels like a species ending moment, those are the mm. moments when um, we're the most aligned. None of us actually want the species to disappear, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. We all have the same goal all of a sudden, <laughs> like, I don't want to die. Yeah. Um, and uh, and we, we manage, you know, 
we've managed to survive challenges, external challenges, internal challenges, all kinds of, you know, disease, uh, you know, climate shifts, climate change in the past, um, uh, predation from (laughs) big, scary animals with teeth, Mm -hmm. um, warfare amongst ourselves, which has, you know, eliminated whole civilizations in some places. Um, It feels like we only have more tools and more uh, ability to problem solve because largely because of those information tools that you again mentioned early on, like the fact that we can communicate with each other globally instantly feels like a superpower. And that mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if something comes along that, you know, uh, pre-information society humans would not have been able to deal with post-information society humans may have created the problem, but we can also solve the problem. I think so. I think so. That's that's wise stuff. Um, <laughs> well, I, I don't know. So this is our first one. So I'm not quite sure how we end. Do we what? Hey, listen, mom and dad, thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Your parents are going to listen? Oh, my God. <laughs> Again, I'm optimistic. Remember, yeah. that's that's my... <laughs> That is my goal. Actually, they have to because I'm going to pick their rest homes. So yeah, oh, they, yeah they they know where they've got it. They they know what side their bread is buttered on. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it, it was it was fantastic, Seth. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we did it, and I don't care if no one listens. Um, you know, it wasn't for them; it was for us. That's it.